Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to episode 220 of Geek Town Radio. I'm back this week with Daryl. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's great to be back. Yes, yes. Nice to have you back on after a few weeks. Uh, so what have you been up to? I recently finished season three of Lie to Me, ah, which yeah. is a procedural which stars Tim Roth. Yeah. And you can get it on Amazon Prime. It comes with Amazon Prime all three seasons. And I remember it when I was, at the time, seeing the ads on various during various commercials i never had access to it until now and i watched season one or two god months ago and i think i watched season one or two within a week so i decided to hold off on season three (laughs) for a while had other things to watch then i really liked that show i really enjoyed that show it was such a shame when it got cancelled yeah Um, it was a shame because it, they just introduced um, Michael B. Jordan from Black Panther. He yeah. appears in the last three episodes and it sort of looks like, as if, if it continues, it looked like he might join the team. Right, okay. As I like, hadn't realised. Perhaps he was... um, an investigator or something. Yes, I'd, I'd kind of forgotten that had happened. I, I hadn't really tweaked that it was Michael B. Jordan. But yes, it was a really interesting idea for a procedural. He runs this this company that deal in lies, essentially. He's a, he's a yeah, human a lie with, detector. Yeah, a, deal with body language especially upon facial tics as well. Yeah, it was really interesting and different and sort of well put together procedural that. And it was such a shame that it didn't last more than three seasons. And he was one of the few sort of anti-heroes. Yeah. Because he really wasn't a nice guy. No, he wasn't particularly likable. It yeah, had he elements, particularly of, likeable. elements of sort of house about him, I yeah, guess. Yeah, it's sort of like, it might be like half house and half Columbo. Yeah. You know, where you just annoy the person until they slip up. Yeah. And he says it several times. He basically, that the reason why he does it, he annoys people until they drop that mask yeah. of whatever they're not trying to show and he can see it in the face yeah so yeah so i watched that um if you haven't watched it and if you like any procedural at all or this nhis or i don't know elementary something watch it yeah i think you'll really enjoy it yes lie to me uh i hadn't realized it was on amazon prime but yes definitely yep. one oh, worth yeah, going to one watch. Season yeah also i've been working away through the final season of killjoys right yes this is something that i i've seen a few episodes of and then i kind of dropped away from it and i need to go back and and i've sort of been waiting for it all to come out now so i yep. can just binge my way through it from the beginning because everybody tells me how great the show is it's a really fun show about a group of three half bound hunt half marshals yeah. they grow around this place called the quad which is a small system of about five or six planets and 
their job is pretty much bounty hunting. So someone puts out a warrant for someone yeah. and they go get them. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. It stars Hannah John Carmen, who you've seen in things like Ant Man the Wasp. You've got Aaron Ashmore. The one that isn't Sean Ashmore. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and a whole lot of other people, including Rob Stewart, which if you watch a lot of Made in Canada shows, you've definitely seen Rob Stewart before. Right. I think I saw him first way back in like Painkiller Jane I think wow yeah but yeah, it's, it's fun it's comedy action and lots of wisecracks it's surprising as it's a sci-fi show that made it past two seasons yes yeah all the way to five yes that that um, was quite a shock yes and it got renewed for two seasons after season three yeah so they knew for a while that they were wrapping everything up yeah and things do wrap up quite nicely and as a show as a whole it moved through quite well in a way that few sort of sci-fi Five shows tend to because yeah. if you watch most they most tend to go for two seasons and then they change the entire plot and we're somewhere else entirely after season three if it goes that far whereas Killjoys it just sort of has a nice line all the way through right yeah so yeah I would, I would definitely recommend it it is one that I will go and watch once once all the seasons are done and I've got some clear space because they're all on Netflix the older seasons are on Netflix as well so because mm-hmm. it premieres on sci-fi in the UK and then you can find them all on Netflix they go on afterwards I will be going and watching that when it's all finished and done I'll, I'll go through a watch from the start I think definitely another thing I've been watching I watched Age of the Living Dead yeah I don't know this show at all so um, neither do I I just sort of happened to see it it's in my travels of looking through TV stuff to see what's on and I saw it Amazon Prime but since then I went on like maybe yesterday and it's been removed from Amazon Prime right so I don't know why I right. don't know where it airs in the US but it's sort of like a if the Asylum made a TV series. Right. And obviously the Asylum is people who make, who just churn out B-movies before our blockbusters. Yes, okay. So like if there's a Godzilla coming out, they'll make something else, which is, I know, Big Lizard versus Big Monkey. And they'll get out in theaters before Godzilla comes out. Okay. So yeah, they're B-movies. And you've probably either seen them or heard about them in memes and stuff, or seen them as weird trailers. But it's a surprisingly excellent little show. Or well, it has that look of that B-movie in terms of, you can see like the difference between like the cameras that they use but it's an interesting little show it seems like 10 20 years after a vampire outbreak in the u.s right and what's happened is the rest of the world has just boarded the u.s up along with drones and stuff to keep the vampires in and just left the population of the u.s for dead <laughs> right what's happened is that the humans have all fled to the west coast so that's where the u.s is now on the west coast with the vampires having control of of the East Coast with the Midwest is at no man's land with mines and stuff to keep. Okay. So the tentative piece. We sort of follow a military outpost near the no man's zone when one of the guys there finds a young woman seemingly by herself and brings her back to the base and it all sort of starts from there. Right. And it goes back and forth between both sides so we see what's happening with the president of the US and what's happening with the people in control of the vampires over the East. And it's only six episodes but they're all about an hour long and it tells an interesting sort of story which sucks you right in and it's a lot of fun obviously they'll go looking for 
extra special effects <laughs> right. or anything like that. But the story's there so you can forgive the special effects. Yeah. I looked at it and thought, oh, okay, I'll just watch one episode. But by the end of the episode, I was going, oh, yeah, but I'll be watching all this. This is fun. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, it's weird. You can't find much about it online either. I mean, other than nope, so it's really flown under the radar, that series. Yeah, I don't know because I looked at the Facebook group and everything. And even the Facebook group, like, tells people, oh, go watch it on Amazon Prime. But it's like, well, no, it's not there anymore. Yeah, it looks like it's on Amazon Prime in the US, but it isn't on Amazon Prime in the UK for some reason. It, I think it went out on one of the Fox channels, by the looks, as far as I can tell. But yeah. I don't know, but interesting. I have to go and see if I can find it somewhere. So that was fun. And the last thing is a little-known Canada-produced show set in Canada. It was pretty rare at the time, at least for people outside of Canada to see, called The Listener. Right, yes. Fantasy which series. Is, yep, fantasy series, which is about a paramedic who has telepathic powers. Yeah, I vaguely remember this when it was out originally, because it's a few years old now. It was like... Yeah, it started in 2009. Right, okay. A lot of fun. If... You You've watched it in full. You'll go, oh, I, I know that actor. So I've seen that actor before. He's a who's who of sort of Canadian talent. Yes. I'm including people like Ennis Esma, who you'll know if you watch Blind Spot. Right, okay. He starred in that pretty much all episodes except for one. There's a guy called Craig Olesnik, who I haven't seen much in other shows. No, he was in uh, Girlfriend's Guide to Divorce most recently, I think. But um, Ah. Yeah. Also features Lauren Lee Smith, who was in Mutant X, if you remember that particular show. <laughs> right. Uh, Frank. <laughs> Frankie Drake Mysteries is the... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. She's Frankie oh, Drake yeah, she, and Frankie yeah, she, Drake yeah, Mysteries. Yeah, she's that. Also, you might know Melanie Scrifano, star of Winona Earp. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She recurs in later seasons. Anthony Lemke's in there as well from um, Dark Matter, according to the cast list. Yeah, he is. So, yeah, and it's a, it's a great little show. It goes a bit wobbly with the um, plot line. After, I think, the first season, maybe the first two seasons, they changed all the supporting cast. <laughs> right. So he was working with the police they stopped that so he started working with the federal authorities that's a, quite a big move <laughs> I won't give away why but they, they explained why and it makes sense yeah I mean even though if it makes sense from a plotting point of view that's a huge change to, to make just to change up the entire supporting cast but yes yeah so yeah so that's what I got getting up to and what I would recommend cool okay well there's lots of lots of kind of interesting older shows in there that you've been going through which is good I've been concentrating mainly on newer stuff, mostly on Netflix. The two big shows that I watched, which should drop this week uh, or over the last couple of weeks, actually. Criminal, which is the show we've been talking about a little bit before. The premise of it is it's, it's a group of cops interrogating somebody in an interrogation room and the entire show is almost entirely set in the interrogation room and the people sat watching the interrogation from the sort of, you know, behind the glass on the side, you know. The episodes are 45 minutes to an hour. One of the unique things is there's only three episodes of it in each language, but they are shooting it in like four different languages. I think it's French, German, Italian, maybe, and English. So there are sort of three episodes in each language with uh, different local talent for that. So the English episodes are David Tennant in the first one, Hayley Atwell is in the second one. I can't remember the name of the guy in the third one. I haven't got to the second two yet, but uh, so they are there as the suspect and then the police all stay the same for each episode so the David Tennant one which is the one that I've watched is him being accused of the murder of his stepdaughter that's the basic sort of setup of it and it's a case of has he done it hasn't he done it pretty much 
throughout the entire episode and it's not clear exactly which way that's going to go really really enjoyed it I mean David Tennant's always incredibly watchable in these sort of things and I think it's quite an interesting idea that the sort of all the police stay the same but you know the suspect is is actually the kind of starring named role but they're only there for the one episode so I, I think that's kind of quite an interesting idea it's really well filmed it's interesting different well put together uh, very very tense throughout i mean david tennant really doesn't say an awful lot for the first sort of 20 minutes or so of the episode you don't really get much out of him at all it's just an intriguing setup and premise for it and uh as i say i don't know whether they're releasing all the multi-language episodes across every different country or whether they're just going to release the british ones in the uk and you know the french ones in france i'm i'm not entirely sure how they're putting it together but uh, there are three episodes up there now like i say david tennant in the first one Haley atwell's the second one and then i can't remember the name of the guy in the third one but it's well well worth watching and it's only three episodes you're not gonna have to commit a load of time to it either so uh worth picking up that and that's called criminal that's on netflix uh also on netflix there's unbelievable which is a mini series based on a true life story written by a couple of reporters it's them following this tale of a serial rapist and the police trying to capture them. It's an interesting setup in that you start off with this rape case where it's a girl who is in a sort of halfway house for foster kids or halfway complex for foster kids where they're sort of put in when they get to sort of 16, 17, 18 as a way of sort of adjusting themselves to being out in the real world from being in a standard foster home. So this uh, rape apparently happens. She then has to go to the police. She's having to tell, retell this story over and over again. I already give her way any more about sort of what happens from that but yeah so it starts it starts off with her the second episode then almost shifts entirely you do get bits more of that story but it introduces a whole load of new characters as well who are following on from a different rape case and then the third episode introduces even more characters who are following another case so it sort of builds and builds and builds and things start to get mixed together as well so it's it's really intriguing how they've kind of tied the whole story together. But like I say, it's based on a real life case. So I don't know how closely it's following it. I'm, I've am i not really looked up anything about it because I don't really want to know where it ends, but I'm thoroughly enjoying that. It's really quite engaging and uh, an interesting peel back of, of that sort of system and what happens when various different people come forward. So I think that's really, really well worth watching. Uh, it, it's been in the top 10 of the Netflix chart for a while now for the last few weeks which and I was kept kept on getting nagged by Netflix to go and watch it so uh, <laughs> so I thought I'll give it a go but I am thoroughly enjoying it but that's called Unbelievable and I would highly recommend you go and have a look at that it's a really good mini series and uh, I'm three or, three or four episodes in now it really sucks you in very very well worth going to see Carnival Row if, jumping over onto Amazon I watched the first episode or first couple of episodes and then sort of other things got in the way and I fell away from it I've gone back into it describe it as um, what would happen if Ripper Street had fairies in it is basically the uh, the sort of setup for it it's this sort of steampunky world you've got this fantasy land it starts out with this big war and the the fairies and the sort of humans which are the the Burgishmen are working 
working together against this other force. The fairies are teaming up with the humans. You see bits and pieces of that war. And this is sort of the main series is set kind of after the war. And there's a lot of stuff about immigration in there. So it's reasonably timely, I would have said. Um, mm-hmm. There's this central relationship, which is between Orlando Bloom and Cara Delevingne, of, of sort of the, who had a, a prior relationship during the war. Uh, she believes him to be dead. Turns out, obviously, he's not because he's one of the stars of the uh, series. And it ends up with them both in the same place. And she discovers that he's not dead and he's not overly happy about the the fact that uh, he apparently lied to her. So He lied to her about being dead? Yeah, well, he sort of disappeared. She believed him killed. Mm. She believed that he'd been killed in an attack. And it turns out he hadn't, and he had made no effort to try and get back in contact with her afterwards. So yes, that that's she's not exactly happy about that. They've got quite a fractious relationship. Orlando Bloom's character is a detective, and somebody is going around killing off the pixie characters, and that's sort of the background to it. Is him following through on that case as these the various dead bodies of these pixies show up. And uh, he's following through that case. So it, it does have, as I said, it has this feel of something like Ripper Street to it, but it's obviously set in a fantasy world. So if you like those sort of historical procedural things, I think this is something that you would quite enjoy, but it has got this fantasy layer over it as well. But on the core of it, it is essentially a, a sort of procedural with a with a sort of fantasy and immigration element to it. I'm thoroughly enjoying working my way through it. I'm, I'm about halfway through now and, uh, I'm trying to sort of do an episode at night right now. So I hopefully we'll finish it by the end of next week. The other thing is, of course, my run through the MCU, which I'm up to Thor Ragnarok at the moment. I've just finished that. Uh, I really like that film. I would actually probably say it out of all the movies I've seen so far, with the exception, obviously, of the last two, the Endgame obviously being my number one film out of the MCU. I think Thor Ragnarok 6 is a solid third in there. You know, I really, really like that movie. I think it's so well put together. It dovetails lovely into the sort of, you know, final two movies. And uh, yeah, I thoroughly enjoy that. I like the humour they used in it. I think he did such a wonderful job with it. So I've always rather liked that film, but I think it definitely cemented its place in sort of third in my list of favourite MCU movies. So uh, I'm, I'm coming towards the end of that. I need to figure out what I'm going to run through next i was thinking maybe i'll do star wars after this possibly but Interesting. so maybe they'll, maybe i'll do that next sounds good i'm not much of a rewatcher, but i did like thor ragnarok quite a lot more than i thought it would especially more i think when they were initially talking about it thor with the hulk yeah it sounded that sounds weird but it works out very well it does that whole relationship works out really well and uh it does set up so much that movie of what you then get in the in the final two films you forget how much Ragnarok actually dovetails directly into Infinity War like the sequence at the end is literally the sequence where you enter Infinity War and I'd completely forgotten how closely that kind of stitches together so uh, yeah I'm really enjoying that Spider-Man I'm also enjoying quite well the uh, Homecoming I haven't still haven't seen Far From Home although that is out on DVD relatively soon I will be watching that when it comes out on DVD or you know home release looking forward to sort of finishing this whole run and then I will I will go and maybe pick up something else maybe I'll go through Star Wars like I say so that's all the stuff we've been doing this week let's move on to some TV and film news 
So TV and film news this week, we do have not a cancellation, but there is an ending coming. Uh, Glow has been renewed for a fourth, but it is also going to be its final season on Netflix. Have you watched any of Glow? It's not one that I've got to yet. No, unfortunately not. A lot of people tell me it's very good. I think I will go around and watch it maybe after the final season comes out and uh-huh. I can, so I can bring my way all the way through it. But uh, yeah, and at least they've given them some warning. They've not just dropped it. It is kind of coming back for a final season, so they get to wrap it up properly as well swamp thing the dc universe show which was controversially cancelled after one episode <laughs> went out despite the fact that it had really solid reviews they seem to have already made the decision to cancel it so it's 10 episodes of that show it is now coming to amazon prime in the uk uh 4th of october friday the 4th of october they're releasing that so it is only one season but if you want to see it see what all the fuss is about you will actually now be able to watch it in the uk so i'm glad it's sort of aired somewhere because I am intrigued to see what it was like but it is a shame because it's not going to get picked up again it's a DC property and I don't think mm-hmm. they you know they made it for DC Universe so it's not like Amazon can kind of suddenly pick it up and make another season really but uh, yep. I'm glad that it's airing somewhere so we'll be able to see it all for the Channel 4 streaming service has picked up ER <laughs> of all things uh, they've picked up ER in its entirety season one is on there already each new season will be added every Friday they are saying so there'll be another season two will come at the end of uh, this week if you're into er or if you've never seen er and want to see pretty much one of the best medical dramas of all time oh yes um, you know if you want to be able to watch through it and watch a very very young george clooney play a doctor then it is worth going to watch i still my favorite story about er is the fact that he was doing batman on the same set as they shot er and <laughs> basically had to when when they were shooting both at the same time because he really wanted to be batman he was running back and forwards between the two sets in the same day apparently so but yes so ER in its entirety on all for the streaming service for free if you want to go watch that uh, and a little bit of, of news dropped out which I thought was quite interesting the Amazon Lord of the Rings series will be returning to New Zealand to shoot that New Zealand will stand in for Middle Earth once again uh, there was some talk I believe at one point of them shooting it in Scotland but that has now been rejected I I think it has to be New Zealand. I mean, yeah. New Zealand is Middle Earth at this point. Yeah. I think it really has unless to be. Set it, unless you're going to set it on the, like, the rainy season of Middle Earth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. It, Scotland, yeah. I'm sure they're getting a nice tax break for it as well. So they are, I'm sure they they'll be fine. They are getting nice tax breaks for it. So uh, yes, that's one of the reasons for, uh, for doing it. So moving on to bigger stories, Mayim Bialik and Jim Parsons from Big Bang Theory are teaming up again, although not on screen. Uh, They're teaming up as exec producers. They're making a US remake of the sitcom Miranda. The remake is going to be called Carla. Mayim will star in the lead role as Carla, who is a 39-year-old woman who struggles every day against society and a mother to prove that you cannot have everything you want and still be happy. That's why she spent the money her parents set aside for a wedding to open a cat cafe in Louisville, Kentucky. So that's the sort of setup for it. It's written by Darlene Hunt, who has written things like The Connors and Good Girls Revolt. So experienced sitcom writer, exec produced by Mayam and Jim Parsons. Uh, Jim Parsons is not going to have an on-screen role. He's just going to be behind the scenes. Miranda Hart is one of the exec producers as well, so she is sort of involved in it. Uh, although that may just be a sort of credit exec 
producer credit and she doesn't have any direct involvement with it I don't know but yeah I mean did you watch any of Miranda it's not a show I particularly watched no I, li- I literally only know about it because obviously Tom Ellis was a big part of it so yes that's of the course reason I, know, I know of it that and I used to, I used to see the um, ads from right, time yeah, to yeah. time yeah. I heard good things about it and you know I think got a few British TV wars can't be I'm not sure yeah yeah so it's like a, it makes sense yeah oh, we'll just have to see yeah it was nominated for various BAFTAs uh, picked up Royal Television Society Awards Broadcast Award British Comedy Awards and the show was obviously very popular it did very much revolve around Miranda Hart's personality because it was a sort of exaggerated version of her whether this series will carry on that or whether it will stray directly into a sort of standard sitcom thing I don't know Miami can see being quite a good lead for something like this because it's quite a sort of physical comedy role and I think she could probably do that quite well I mean I don't know the US remakes of British things don't always go down particularly well with the few exceptions like The Office uh, you know but I kind of get the feeling that if anybody's going to make it work it's probably these two guys but yeah I don't know they got a very mixed reaction when I posted this up because Miranda's such a beloved thing that yep. a US remake of it is, is treading on dangerous ground for British people but we'll see yep. there was a bunch of DC casting news dropped this week oh yes it was various different shows the biggest one probably being the fact that Erica Durance and Tom Welling are both going to be appearing in the Arrowverse Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover event as Lois and Clark as Smallville's Lois and Clark which is crazy because I've been talking on the web for months that Tom would be coming back I mean there was speculation about Tom being back before they even revealed that Brandon Ralph would be playing Superman as well so someone somewhere knew something yeah which is impressive because we all know that he's made it pretty well clear that Tom doesn't like dwelling on his role as Clark Kent in Smallville yeah I'm just amazed that they managed to pull him back yeah I am quite surprised because he has made a lot of noise about the fact that he's you know he doesn't necessarily want to go back and and do it again we don't know whether he's just going to show up as Clark or whether he's going to actually put the suit on because he didn't really ever wear the suit in Smallville I mean apart from a couple of dodgy CGI shots at the end I don't think yeah just yeah, just a dodgy CGI at the end when he, I think he pulls down the helicopter yeah. that Lois is in which is wild that I can even remember that <laughs> how long ago that was yeah well it's been 10 years and they are saying that they are going to be playing the characters that they were in Smallville and it's sort of catching yeah. up with them 10 years later so yeah I don't know don't know how they're going to put that in and whether it's going to be little roles or you know, like yeah. the blink and you'll miss with, them with all the guest stars it, may, it makes me wonder how much time you're really going to get with them yeah given how much actual plot there is to Crisis and Infinite Earth yeah how much time you're really going to get with all these different guest stars yeah so interested to see it oh yeah yeah absolutely I mean that will make the third Clark to be in the Crisis Infinite, Infinite Earth because uh, as you said Brandon Routh is going to be pulling double duty as Ray Palmer slash The Atom and playing the Kingdom Come version of Superman which is also the version from Superman Returns apparently that's 
going to be the version that he's playing and uh, Tyler Hoechlin is playing the Arrowverse Superman along with yeah, Elizabeth Tulloch. Yeah, Earth-S Superman. Yeah, uh, along with Elizabeth Tulloch who played Lois Lane as well. So right. she, yeah. so we're going to have at least two Loises and two Clarks or three Clarks in there. I wonder if they're going to mess around with the time frame so that she's already had the kid. Yes, that's true actually. Because as time it goes, it shouldn't have been long enough for her to have that child yet. Right, okay. Well, yeah, maybe. We'll see. It gets crazy and crazier the more we get stuff we yes. get out because just to give you a reminder of the people that we know are involved we know the Black Lightning cast are coming across no we don't actually we don't we just know the Black Lightning is coming across oh Not okay yes so some of the Black Lightning cast are coming across we think it's just him is it just him yeah they've already named just as him being in it okay so so at least him is coming yep. across we've got the legendary Batman voice actor Kevin Conroy who yep. is is coming across playing at least Bruce in live action probably not Batman yep. I wouldn't have thought, but Bruce, he'll be playing in live action for the first time. You've got Jonah Hex coming back. You've got John Carreau as Lex Luthor coming back. You've got LaMonica Garrett as the Monitor and Anti-Monitor. Monitor, uh, yeah. John Wesley Ship is seemingly reprising his role as the 90s TV show version of Barry Allen and Arrow versus Jay Garrick version of The Flash. It yeah. looks like those two are coming. But Ward from the original Batman 66 TV series, although it's not clear yeah. exactly who he's going yeah, to be Yeah, they haven't said what he's going to be. Yeah, so... He will, he will be showing up. Tom Cavanaugh, the man of many Wellses from The Flash, is taking on another role. He's also playing Pariah, who is the kind of person that kicks off the whole crisis event crisis, in the yeah. first place. And I think that, which is known effectively as Aussie Wells, I think. Right, okay. So, yes, he's going to be uh, be showing up as well. The crisis event is split across five episodes. It's going to be Arrow, The Flash, Supergirl, Legends, and Batwoman. And it's also going to be split across the Christmas break. I think there's three episodes before, two episodes afterwards. I think Arrow yes. and Legends afterwards, and then Flash, Supergirl, and Batwoman beforehand. At the moment, we still don't know if Sky One have picked up the Batwoman series. They're cutting it fairly <laughs> close, I would say. I mean, as far as we're aware, they're trying to get it. There seems to be some issues with licensing for CW shows at the moment because we you know the ongoing saga of Supernatural in the UK as well seems to be having issues. So there seems to be some issues getting licenses for CW shows in the UK right now. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but at the moment, the Batwoman series, Sky cannot confirm that they have picked it up. I mean, that that's all I can get out of them right now. I suspect they are going after it because there'd be madness for them not to, given that they've got Arrow, Flash and Supergirl and Legends already. But yeah, that's going to be interesting when we get to that point. I mean, if worse came to the worst, my guess is that they may air the single episode that's part of the crossover, even if they don't get the whole series, but we'll have to wait and see. It's going to be a bit weird if that is the case. So yeah, we'll, we'll bring you more news on that as, as we get it. But at the moment, the Batwoman series isn't officially picked up in the UK. We'll have to just see what happens. Over on Supergirl, Mitch Fellaini and Cara Bono have both joined season five. They're playing a pair of ancient aliens who have been safeguarding the Earth from the mistakes of humanity for millions of years. This agenda has now put them in direct conflict with both Supergirl and Lena Luthor. One character uses technology to subjugate humans. She's witty, ruthless, and always 10 steps ahead of her adversaries. Then you've got Raymond Khan, who has the 
the ability to control the four ancient elements of fire, earth, air, and water. Apparently in the original, you know, in the comic book run, because they are from the comic book, they're not new inventions, they were Atlanteans, which yeah. I, I don't think Atlantis has actually appeared on Arrowverse so far. I don't think we've had any Atlantis characters so that would be a no. sort of interesting new addition if they stick with that as the backstory although yeah, I they discard the fact that they're Atlantean yeah I mean it does list them as ancient aliens so, yeah. so that, that would, makes that makes way more sense yeah rather than just suddenly have Atlantis pop up out of nowhere so I think they'll probably do that but um, I don't know her particularly well uh, him obviously was X-Files he's probably the and he's popped up in a million other things but uh, very much so, Skinner, yeah. Skinner in X-Files and uh, Stargate he was in as well wasn't he but yes. um, yeah so uh, so that's two new additions coming to Supergirl and over on Arrow we've got Willa Holland returning as Speedy for the final season so Oliver gets his little sister back although we don't necessarily have Oliver back so <laughs> well that is true yes what's kind of interesting about this is it's not going to be a quick flying visit guest spot she's listed as a recurring role so she is going to be sticking around for a bit how long we don't know to be fair though if you've watched enough Arrowverse you know they have very interesting definitions of, of recurring characters right yeah that is true so someone will recur that, that that means two episodes yes and you know you're like see which is clearly from an earlier episode yeah so we we don't exactly know Colton Hayes isn't a series regular I don't think on this final season uh, well, I mean I suspect he will show up but if you remember the reason that, if you remember the reason that they they kind of left because Roy Harper showed up last season in the flash forwards and then in the main timeline I think he is around but he left with Thea if you remember because they were going to kind of shut down a bunch of Lazarus pits and then she uses one of the Lazarus pits to resurrect Roy after he's injured without his permission and uh, he ends up with the Lazarus bloodlust so they have this huge fight and that's how why they're not together when he turns up so yeah that's that's going to be an interesting one to see whether whether kind of they're together when they turn back up again we'll have to wait and see they've announced a lot of old faces turning up on that including we know John Barrowman's back as Malcolm Merlin we've got Joss Segura as Adrian Chase Byron Mann as Yofeng Gulong who was the mentor character wasn't it yeah Oliver's first teacher yeah Susanna Thompson as Moria Queen is back Colin Dunnell is back as Tommy Katana back as well Ryla Fukushima I think her name is so yeah I mean there's there's lots of old faces you might know that some of the old faces that they're mentioning there aren't particularly alive right now in the main timeline so where they're going to show up whether they're going to be in flashback whether they're jumping around in time whether they're going to be alt well, universe versions which seems well, quite if you've likely. seen enough of it there's enough promo pictures that you saw of that yes. it sort of gives away why you see them there are pictures floating around so we're not wishing to spoil anything for anybody but I mean there mm. are loads of ways that they can kind of bring these people back so yeah. uh, so yes I'm quite looking forward to that final season of Arrow because it's sort of 10 episodes to wrap everything up it's it's going to be cool I think mm, I, don't know. I just hope it isn't a mess well yeah I mean it, it could Especially, go yeah, as you have to somehow explain why we'll obviously first see yeah that is going to be an interesting one uh, explaining the, the disappearance of Felicity because of course she isn't in the final season which is weird but uh, yes we'll have to see sticking with Arrow people if you are wondering what Stephen Amell is off to do next he's starring in a wrestling drama called Heal 
Eagles. And uh, we announced this, I think, a few weeks ago that that was the next project he was on. They've now found his co-star for that, who is going to be Alexander Ludwig, who you might know from Vikings, played the eldest son of Ragnar Lothbrok, Bjorn Ironside in Vikings. So he is now going to be playing one of the two brothers that are the leads in this wrestling drama, Heels. Drama follows the men and women who chase down their dreams in a world in small town pro wrestling, set in a close-knit Georgia community. It follows a family-owned wrestling promotion as two brothers and rivals war over their late father's legacy. I mean, I I think this sounds perfect for Stephen Amell, because we know Stephen Amell is a huge, huge wrestling fan. So um, I I think this sounds absolutely great for them. Uh, Alexander Ludwig, I actually, I mean, his accent's quite good as uh, Beyond Ironside, and uh, apparently he's Canadian, and I didn't realise. So, you know. Never seen it, so I wouldn't know. Right, okay. So he's a great, great show. Amor plays the older brother out of the two brothers, who's called Jack. He, in the ring, is the charismatic villain or heel of the Wrestling Association. Uh, however, in the real world, he's the hardworking owner, husband and father, trying to make ends meet while fighting to realise his impossible dream. Alexander is playing Ace, who is the younger brother. He's the hero in the ring, but out in the real world, he struggles to reconcile his town idol status with these insecurities and demons so it's kind of interesting that the the characters that they appear to be playing in the ring are opposite to their home life characters that seems to be what the sort of setup of it is uh, which I think is kind of an interesting situation to be in Heels is written by Michael Waldron who is the man who was recently tapped to write the Loki series for Marvel uh, they, the new Loki TV series Mike O'Malley who has done things like Shameless and uh, Survivor's Remorse's showrunner for it so it's got quite an interesting team behind it no idea where and when it's going to air at the moment Uh, I mean it stars in the US but don't know where it's going to air in the UK I mean stars play I guess if nobody else picks it up but um, yeah I'm I'm quite looking forward to this I think it sounds like it could be quite an interesting setup for a drama I mean I don't particularly watch much pro wrestling in all honesty but you know it's been a while since I've watched it's an interesting idea it's an interesting setup and I think they're quite likeable leads so we'll have to wait and see what it's like so that's all the news for this week let's move on to the interview ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt free dream come true baby it's me Kiki Palmer Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The interview this week is with the art director for the brilliant, brilliant The Good Place, Adam Rowe. He started The Good Place on seasons three and four. We talk obviously a lot about sort of taking over the show and coming into a series which has already had a couple of seasons. He had some interesting jobs in sort of recreating some of the older sets. We also talked to him about making LA look like various places like Sydney and Jacksonville and Budapest and uh, Alberta, Canada 
started, uh, uh, he had to had the job of creating Janet Void, the infamous IHOP that they all end up having the meeting in, and uh, places like the Medium Places Correspondence Center as well. So we, we talk all about the various different sets on it and his involvement and and how he they came to some of the creative decisions that they did. His other work has include the Amazon series Forever. He worked on American Crime Story Gianni Versace, Parks and Rec, Dexter, Criminal Minds, Rizzoli and Isles, Rent, the uh, Live on Fox thing that uh, went out in America, which got him an Emmy nomination. He was a really lovely guy to talk to. Here's the interview with Adam. We will see you afterwards with some highlights for next week on TV. It's lovely to have you on. I wanted to talk to you because it's The Good Place and just is such a phenomenal series. I've been a huge fan from the very first episode. I have actually seen some of your work in person because I was in LA earlier in the year and they had the sets up at Universal. So Yeah, definitely. Um, no, I'm glad you're a fan. It's definitely heartwarming. It's definitely a puzzle. Um, I've been excited to be on it since the day that the opportunity came up. And the scenery wise, the world that we make is just so different than the average show. One note that is interesting is that I had done a series of crime drama for quite a while between yeah. Criminal Minds and Dexter and then was able was trying to work on a comedy just because I wanted to break up the genre and and The Good Place came up and it was a show about dead people and then I did the show Forever which is another show about dead people but so it's just kind of but they're both comedies about the afterlife I just love the world of the afterlife that Mike Schur created the showrunner just because we never really knew exactly what we were making from certain times because it would get very wacky uh, and the difference between season three and season four, even though people haven't been able to see season four, is that season three, I really, I, I, I loved both seasons, but season three was on its feet all the time. And as a viewer, if you watch just one episode, you can see how often we jump to a new location. And so the art department was definitely racing season three to keep up with the real life of, you know, Budapest and Australia, and then jumping back into the afterlife and then jumping into the interdimension of the nexus of time and space. So it's definitely fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you joined on the third season, didn't you? So before yeah. we get into the show a bit more, just a little bit of background about you. How did you get into art direction in the first place? I came up through theater and like many people as a teenager, or I guess I was 11, I watched a mind blowing musical and in this case it was the Who's Tommy I kind of target that one because I remember that one the most it was a touring show that planted itself in Chicago and from Illinois and I remember the chandelier and the Chicago auditorium was shaking all the you know crystals were vibrating and the parachutists come in and and the the set of course I actually don't remember the set that well I remember a proscenium with a bunch of TVs and some floating doors and maybe that was the whole set I don't know but I was so impressed and so blown away and had zero idea that you could do that for a living <laughs> and then kind of got a little bit addicted and saw Les Mis and, and many other musicals that kind of just kept that fire going. And then by the time I was in college, I started off as an engineer. I was trying to be an engineer. My grandfather designed the air conditioning system for Pirates of the Caribbean at Disneyland. So that's <laughs> my only connection to the entertainment industry. And my father worked for excavation company, is, had an excavation company, and my mom worked for an engineering firm. So there was that kind of line grooved in the wood for me. And I departed from that my junior year of college and decided to throw myself into theater, entertainment, not 
not on the performance side, but on the technical side and became a painter. And so I painted operas and dance floors and, you know, backdrops and scenery. And I wood grained for days on certain shows. So that was kind of what put me in this place. And then I would say in 2006, I went to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, actually, <laughs> to work for C venues. And when I came back, I decided that I really needed to plant myself in Los Angeles because my community yeah. was getting difficult moving from theater to theater and my taxes were hard. <laughs> so I moved to L.A. and that's kind of where I have I have been ever since. It's, I think, year 13 for me. And I, it was a good choice. I've been able to do a lot of different kind of work. And I worked my way up from a scenic artist to art director, production designer over the last years. Yeah, and uh, you say an interesting selection of, of shows, uh, the Amazon series Forever, you worked a bit on American Crime Story, the uh, Versace one, Parks and Rec, Dexter, Criminal Minds, Rizzoli and Isles, which is another fabulous show. You got to do your theatre stuff again on screen because you did Rent as well. So. That's right. Yeah, there's been, and there's also like, what's interesting too is that my career at first had more live event. I, I worked on the Super Bowl uh, halftime show for a while. I did some game shows which are really fun, actually. Game shows, especially the great game creation, not a lot of people know what goes into the testing to make sure it works and the legalese because you have to make sure it really does have a fairness to it mm. and um, there's real money at stake. So that was very exciting. Uh, but the theatricality that I have come from always seems to present itself. Um, currently, I'm working on the musical The Prom, which is going to be a movie on Netflix, and that is also a musical theatrical base. So right. we'll see what, what theater comes out of me for that <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean the good place i think is probably quite a good show for somebody that's got like a eclectic background and a theater background because the stuff in there is so wacky at times yeah. so it was always kind of been something of my fantasy to work on something that mel brooks would have done you know and that's as close as i've gotten yeah. there's a lot of sight gags there's a lot of really fun graphics and really the audience feeds us a lot because they are paying attention and they're freeze framing and they're blogging and they're, you know, taking screen grabs and Kristen Bell's putting things on our Instagram that would normally not get a spotlight on another show. But because we are having such a delightful time making background sight gags that have a you know, less than 50% chance of getting on camera because we just don't always know. Sometimes we do. But for the most part, the light or the way an actor performs, it's different than what was planned. So the backgrounds, we just kind of put stuff back there and hope that it gets on there. Yeah, there is a lot of that sort of stuff. I mean, you're shooting in LA, aren't you? So the third season is quite interesting because they're sort of out of they start off out of the afterlife and back on earth but they're then traveling around the world so you have like sydney jacksonville budapest alberta canada there's a whole bunch of different places how is it making la look like all those different places well that's a great question and i'm impressed at how well you know the show uh yeah when i start signed on for that show you know we I knew it was in the afterlife. And so I was thinking about what dreams may come and other kinds of movies and other kinds of ways in which the afterlife could be done or what could look like. And that particular season, we were on earth for such a big chunk of it. And they were on, you know, alive again. And we also knew that we were shooting in LA. We were shooting as close to Universal Studios as we could. But there was a sequence that we started that season off with where Tahani was becoming a monk or um, a Tibetan, I guess I right. should say. And so, we were way out up in the Malibu mountains trying to find a place we could make a garden, a place that looked as Tibetan as we could find. <laughs> and believe it or not, we found a place. And so with, when you watch that episode, our set decorator, Kim Wanup, did a great job augmenting and kind of fill 
filtering in new pieces. But the architecture of that place was kind of what it was. And then we ended up making the garden and putting the flags up and the bean poles and all the plants. And then uh, our fabulous digital effects team, Dave and Dean Noggle, put in Mount Everest behind her. <laughs> and so we kind of, I mean, that basically kind of paved the way for how we were going to approach all of the other locations. Um, Phoenix was a lot easier because LA looks like Phoenix to a yeah. certain degree. <laughs> um, a little bit greener here maybe than Phoenix. And then Budapest, when the Budapest Museum sequence came up, I remember being like, gosh, where are we going to do that? And our location managers found this white room essentially, and we fabricated a lot of what you're seeing in that museum scene. What else is important for viewers to know is that when you make a day, you know, we have eight to 10 to 12 hours of shooting and you need to obviously have a neighbor location or something else to fill out the rest of your day. So, so many many times the location itself that gets selected is driven by what it's paired with. So in the incidents of shooting all of the montages, there's that scene where Tahani and Jason are passing out money. Right. All of those were filmed like in a five block radius. And so it was up to the director and the showrunner and producers to kind of decide what kinds of things they were going to do that we could accomplish in that zone. And I remember the day before we were like, we need a restaurant scene. And there's a scene, I think they're eating vegan food. I can't even remember what it was. And it turned out we there was a vegan restaurant in that block. So we went and we looked and we had some reflections to deal with. But that sequence has, gosh, seven or eight different moments. And because it was in Australia and we were shooting in North Hollywood, there was a lot of signage to cover up. We were also very excited about sight gags at that time. So we were putting a lot of things up on the wall uh, that could be funny if people froze their frames. So I guess that was a long answer to say, you know, we treated that show with a little bit of flavor to try and find exuberant or unique locations to give it that look, which was the show's statement that it just was always going to be a little bit kooky and a little bit surreal. But sometimes the challenge came from finding things paired together. Mm. Um, so, and there's a, a lot of shows have that same issue. Criminal Minds work the same way. It goes all around the country. So you've got to yeah. try and find, you know, where you can do these things in one place. Yeah, exactly. You also had the Janet's episode to do, which is all set in Janet's void, which must have been an interesting one for you. Because as I remember, it's basically a big white area. So I guess anything you're putting in there has to like really stand out. So how do you handle something like that? That's so minimalist. I'm glad that you asked that about Janet's because that episode, if there was one episode that should have had a documentary made about it, it should have been that one. Uh, people really just don't know how much effort went into that. And of course, the incredible talent that Darcy, the actress who plays Janet, brought to all those different people. Mm. Um, one thing about the void is that's its technical term. I think it's the confluence or the intersection of essence and something else. I'm sorry. I'm forgetting <laughs> what the actual term of that room is, which is of course not a room. There's no up or down as they talk about, yeah. but it was something that came around, I think in season I think it was in season one and then it kind of grew and there was a little bit of it in season two and then we were in there in season three. And that's basically a traditional white psych, uh, just like you would see in the movie or in the music video, Single Ladies that Beyonce's dancing in. It's just a big white room with a cove. And in our case, that season, we built a fourth wall so that you could shoot, you know, in a, more than just two directions because we ended up using a, a crane camera a lot in that. 
Uh, everything gets whited out. So we had artwork up on posts that visual effects erased. And it was Kim's talent who kind of selected the living room furniture that was in there to kind of keep in that 1950s-ish vibe that the world of the show kind of lands on. And that was settled in on by Dan Bishop, who did the pilot and the first season. He, he came from the a world of a lot of shows that are set at that time. So he definitely has a keen eye for that aesthetic and that we just kind of carried that through. The pops of color were important, but also in that episode was the accounting office, which was also very stark mm. and very medium place because it was supposed to be boring like an accountant. And I remember the word boring was thrown up a lot in the note sessions yeah. for that episode because they just wanted it to be like every accountant has the same post card that's just some palm trees in a beach that says thinking of you or wish you were here <laughs> i used to have it up on my wall on any any other show i went to because it was it was an endearing thing to have yeah. everyone has the same calendar which is a mess it's basically you know off the periodic table if you zoom in on it you'll see there's some really weird hieroglyphics put in there graham ratliff our graphic artist had a great time making that <laughs> wacky thing and then i think we had the hang in there kitten too right. i don't know if you guys are familiar with that yeah, but that yeah. was in all of stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, I love um, that set as well. You also had an IHOP. There was an IHOP in there. I, I seem to remember in one of the episodes. IHOP is International House of Pancakes for those people that aren't in America. Was that a genuine IHOP or did you have to recreate one? Well, let me tell you this first. When when IHOP started to make its appearance in the show, which in our show is International Hole of Pancakes, yes. and it's a place that's like a safe place to have a discussion out in the ether of time, essentially. Right, and yes. it's dangerous for humans or people who used to be humans. So it was, it was something that was talked about long before it made its appearance. And I think I'm not in Mike Schur's head. I don't know. I would imagine he wanted it in, but the growing enthusiasm about what is the international hole of pancakes, I think really made that place come to life. And we had to build a bridge to a door that led to it. And if you stop on the door, you'll see that I think it says no vaping as you pass through because <laughs> vaping was a fun thing to poke fun at. There's also three different door sizes. So if you, you know, are a demon and you're, you know, maybe like a slug or something, you could have your own door to go through. So the, the lead up was also a little bit like, hello, Dolly, like, uh, what is this room going to be like when we get into it? And they scouted a few different diners. We, we wanted to so badly shoot at a real IHOP. Uh, there's one in West Hollywood. That's the traditional blue triangle, which if you look up, you know, the IHOP, they, they have a look and we wanted that very badly. But the interesting thing about that seen is it was driven by the blocking of how many people were seated around the table, mm. which I think at that time was like four, five or six. I can't remember. I know the judge is there and then there's a bunch of people sitting around her and, you know, getting a booth that you could shoot realistically that amount of people and not be shooting into a wall drove us to an actual location that's near LAX airport. That was not an IHOP, but it had a really good diner look. Right. I think it was Dinah's and they were, I think so. And they're known for fried chicken. And I think cinnamon rolls. <laughs> <laughs> so we were in there. We actually had to do a few things. We had to, we had to modify the table. We had to put some color into it. Uh, we had to take down all the artwork, of course, because you can't usually shoot what's out in the real world when it comes to art. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, that was, I was so excited to do that set just because of how funny it was. Yeah. Yeah. I love that, that sequence as well. Do you have a favorite set from the show? The bridge was always fun to work on because of the kind of mental aerobics everyone had to do, even though it's just a bridge and a floating in a black void that's in season
season three. Mm. So Ian designed it. Ian Phillips is the designer. And then you work, I work with him and not a lot of people know how a production designer, art director work together, but essentially an, a production designer is a vision and the art director manages the time, money, and the space with a construction coordinator and a fleet of other talented people. And then we're also meeting with the visual effects supervisor to try and figure out like what part's real and what part's not. Mm. And when we made it, we basically made a four foot off the ground kind of metal walkway with street lights and some brass detail. And it looked very nice. And we, we had a great time making it. But then when you see what David Neednagel brought to it and extended it and elongated it, and we used it in certain different ways, it was a puzzle. So you could turn it and you could put different doors on it and you could make it look just a little bit different. So that, that one I really enjoyed. I very much enjoyed making the Budapest Museum because doing Camilla's artwork was just so funny and so much fun. All those circles, we hired um, a painter, a couple painters actually to actually make those and, you know, laying out circles that kind of look like breasts, you know, like <laughs> it just was a funny thing to be working on for investing my time in and to be an adult, you know, yeah. making, making this stuff was very fun. And I also really enjoyed the bad place door that the, right. that they made to go to earth just because that was so cookie. It was Ian's kind of genius to make some wacky shape. And we went to an electronic junkyard and cladded that thing until we couldn't anymore. And that, <laughs> that was very fun. <laughs> you mentioned putting in and slotting in sort of visual sight gags throughout the various episodes. Have you, do you have a favorite sight gag that you've put in? Yeah, I do actually. I It's just silly, but I really loved in a scene where Jason is talking with Pillboy. I think it's Pillboy or it might be, no, it's Pillboy or Donkey Doug. And they're in a bar and the bar was actually in the Valley. I think it was called the barrel. So it was already a seedy looking bar. We didn't really have to do much, but we had to cover the jukebox because they were shooting right at the jukebox. It's in between their heads. And we didn't want to have to remove it because of the effort that it takes. And it's just, you know, it was a short scene. So Graham and I came up with a graphic that said, make jukeboxes cool again. And it's featured very, it's, it's in the scene a lot. And it made me laugh so hard to, to have that. I don't know why it just was a fun thing to do, especially because of our current president's campaign, which you can agree or not agree on, but the make jukeboxes great again, made me laugh a lot. (laughs) (laughs) No, I very, I like that. I like that a lot. So fourth season coming up, I'm sure you can't tell me anything about that, but I mean, have you been enjoying working on the uh, stuff for the fourth season? Are there sort of big things coming up without giving anything away? Well, I would say that one of the things that I feel like I can say that doesn't give anything away is it's a very beautiful ending. It's very satisfactory. I mean, it is a story that we knew going into it, or at least I feel like most people knew it only had a four year trajectory. So it had four arcs and that was what it was going to be. And all of us throughout the entire season, were always wondering where it was going. And And it just was suspenseful all the way up until the very end for us. Obviously, I think the writers knew where it was going long before we did. But I think people will be pleasantly surprised and just delighted. It's like really, really good dessert. 
Um, the show's gotten a lot of attention and accolade and the stars are certainly rising. So there's just a lot of joy in the last season. Plus, it's just really, really fun to watch Eleanor and Michael, who have blossomed over the four seasons into these new kind of beautiful characters. They aren't exactly who they were when they started. And, and that's very fun. And then scenery wise, we were very busy. So we've made a lot of worlds, I think, that people will enjoy watching for sure. Yeah, well, like I say, I happened to be in L.A. this summer and uh, you had the setup for the good place the sort of outdoor setup for the good place was up at universal so i got a little glimpse of it and kind of slightly squealed when i saw it i was like i know what that is it's (laughs) the highlight of the tour for sure i mean i'm biased of course but like when we left as we were leaving there was a discussion about like how do we leave this because people love it i mean yogurt 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 gets people very very excited and i get it i believe me i i feel the same way i am not immune to it and you walk on the lot and you see infinite light and all your anticipated needs and these great icons of that lot. And do you want to take those away from people or do you want to keep the show sacred? You know, how do you approach it? So you will still see yogurt, 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 and a few others. I I chose to leave a couple of others because I've really just, I how could I take down sense memories? Like, (laughs) you know, it was a little sign, but eventually some commercial or some other TV show is going to go back there and repaint or use it and take the signage down and so it won't it's not everlasting and i think there's something very beautiful about the ephemeral nature of television that's kind of a not just good place thing yeah that like there's a finite time in which these things live as a side note the uh lion's estate which is where um the back to the future house was in back to the future yes yeah the, the lions themselves in the gate was they were just turning into rubble and they were off to the side and you really had to know where they were to see them and they just refurbished them and they moved them to be kind of more in the Times Square area where the clock tower is, which is still there. And it's, it was, I was so excited to see that they rescued that, you know, because these things have such interesting connection to us. So I can, I, for fans, I can absolutely understand what it's like to go through there and drive the tram through the back lot. Yeah. Uh, So do it while you can, if you can. Yeah. Yeah. It is well worth doing that. So quick mention for uh, American Crime Story Versace. That must have been an amazing show to work on from your side of things, because some of the sets on that are spectacular. Yeah, it was definitely, it was, I mean, part of the reason why I took that job was because I knew that the Ryan Murphy world and uh, the team that was on that show were going to make some really great stuff. So when I when I got the word that I could be on that show, it was definitely a thumbs up. Uh, and also the story, you know, just that knew, I knew we were going to be going certain places and in certain worlds, like the Versace store in New York and eventually the houseboat in Miami. And to be able to work on those, the uh, houseboat was built on a garbage scowl uh, because we were going to Miami shortly after there was a hurricane that had blown through. And so finding houseboat platforms was definitely not on anybody's priority list because why would we steal someone's houseboat platform who needs an actual house when we were just building a fake one? And it was our uh, construction coordinator in Miami who found these two garbage scowls that were tied together. And it had to, the houseboat was built, gosh, I can't even remember how far away now, but more than a few miles. So it had to sail itself all the way to its location, which the city of Miami was very cool about letting us put it in the exact same location. The city of Miami in general was very, very cool about that whole project because they were able to let us do as many things as close to the real thing as possible. And that's a joy for me to be able to be accurate and honor something that has actually happened. Mm. The houseboat was not identical. It was modified slightly 
And I had gotten so familiar with the crime scene photos that I could tell you, you know, a little bit of a story about what I think he was doing over those last couple of days, because you could see the evidence, the trail that people leave behind. And, you know, even though it's kind of grotesque and there's something very morbid about all of that, it is a science and it is fascinating. I'm not saying that I'm a scientist, but when you study something that intimately for that amount of time, there's something really interesting about all of that. You learn a lot. Yeah, I'm sure. And, uh, Rosalie and Isles was the other thing which you were on for quite a while actually that show weren't you uh, which I love that series I thought it was really fun weirdly the interview I did quite recently was with the stunt coordinators for Cobra Kai and there were a couple and the lady out of the couple doubled Frenchie Harmon on that series oh yeah she and she I think she had to dive at one point I think it was her there was a scene where we had to have Angie Harmon's character Rosoli jump off of a bridge and we had to have two divers and I'm pretty sure they got the stunt double that was Angie's typical stunt double to dive and I think it was a 46 or 56 foot dive they went and found the highest diving board in in Southern California which I think at that time was like 36 feet or something and they just had to keep diving to get used to that and then they had to you know then it's another 20 feet taller or whatever when they did it in real life into you know water that is ocean and river freshwater. It wasn't like she was diving into a pool. I'm so glad you brought up Brazilian Isles because that is a show that people zero have zero idea about or they know. And the reason why people know it is because of the, I think the really good blend between the humor and the seriousness and just the connection between the chemistry they all had. It was yeah. such a good vibe. There weren't that many long scenes of them together, but I remember, I think in the second to last season there's a scene where they're all around a dinner table at the dirty robber and they're having dinner and it was a very long scene to film and when you have a long scene with a lot of people it's hard to film right because you have to just keep redoing it and get all the takes etc yeah but it was such a beautiful thing to be on set for that scene because the connection between all of them and the camaraderie was so sweet it was a very fun show to be on it was a very happy time for a lot of people because the show itself was just very well run uh, Jan Nash and our producers were just really, really great to us. The last, I don't know, four weeks of that show were really, really great memories for me. And I've, I've wondered what those two actresses have been up to, um, Angie and Sasha, just because I feel like that show put them in such a nice place to go on to something mm. else. So I've been kind of waiting to see what they what they've moved on to. It's been a while now. I think it I think it ended in 17, 2017. Yeah. So yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. I uh, really like that show. I thought it was a great, funny procedural and and works so well. So uh, yeah, I, I would like to see them in more stuff. It'd be great. So last couple of questions for you. First question is, what TV shows are you watching at the moment? Okay, so first of all, at the moment, I've been watching a lot of YouTube, <laughs> just in general. I, I will go down the rabbit hole of like acapella choir or kinetic sculpture. And so I just will rabbit hole, which I know is not the answer you might be looking for, <laughs> but I really do love, I really do love watching just whatever YouTube recommends to me next. I love <laughs> Killing Eve. I thought Killing Eve was so inspirational as far as it's long and wide establishing, establishing shots in particular in season one. There's the scene where she's, you know, what's her name, by the way, not Eve, the other Villeneuve. When she's in an office building and there's a woman on a bus and you see this long shot all the way up to the office building. I loved that the show did that sort of thing. They got these long, wide establishings that really kind of help you feel like you're there and you're inside the story 
story. You know, the scenes where, where she goes to, I don't want to give anything away because people haven't seen it. So I won't, I won't go there, but the enjoyment of watching that show was a lot like watching Dexter season three. Yeah. Uh, that season with John Lithgow was just the best to watch. And it was similar to me to watch Killing Eve. I just was just so, and en- I enjoyed it so much so that I have, I've actually gone back and sort of rewatching West Wing um, just because I it's frustrating. Yeah. 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 And so that has been on me and, uh, and my mind. And right now I'm actually plowing through a bunch of musical movies because I've been watching, uh, or I'm working on one. So I just yeah. saw, I just saw a star is born for the first time and really, really loved it. I was surprised I held off as long as I did. And then I watched cabaret, which still holds up beautifully. And it seems like it's back in people's minds because of Fosse Verdon, which I did also watch can't recommend that enough. I mean, mm. Fosse Verdon was just delicious. It was like really good dessert. You know, you just enjoyed so much of what was going on on that show. Good selection of, of stuff there. Last question. If you had the opportunity to work on any TV show, past, present or something future, what would it be? Anything that would be like mythical, supernatural, like I, you know, the Harry Potter worlds, the Game of Thrones worlds, because that's a genre I've not worked in. And uh, there's so much latitude for imagination and fun storytelling you know if the golden compass i think is becoming a series as well like all of that style would be something that i would just enjoy so much Um, people ask me all the time how do you get into certain things and i you know because i've done just a variety of different ones that's one pocket of the kind of scenery i would love to do and then in addition to that a space comedy. I would love for someone to write. I, I know that people talk about the one the Family Guy writers done. What is oh, that show? Um, oh, the name's completely gone out of my yes, head. I had to That show. It's it's funny. It's good. I've watched it, but I I want a spaceball style TV show. I just think a comedy space show would be so much fun to work on. And, and you know, someone writes it and call me up, and I would love to work on it. Well, there is there is one coming up on HBO. Uh, Amando Ian. Nucci from Veep is doing Avenue 5, which is a space comedy, and that stars Hugh Laurie. Oh, really? Oh, that's exciting. Okay, good to know, because I I just feel like that genre is just a fun, yeah. fun world to be in. I mean... How could you not laugh yourself to death on a show? That, I mean, I don't know. It's not even written. It's in my own head. <laughs> I think it would be fun. So that would be a dream. That would definitely be a dream to work on a space comedy. I would love that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, there is only one space comedy I actually can think of. There's a British one called Red Dwarf. And okay. if you like the idea of a space comedy, uh, Red Dwarf, it's, there's about nine seasons of it. There are quite a lot. But look up Red Dwarf. It's a proper space comedy. Okay. That's the only one really I can think of. Because I don't think I Firefly was a space comedy, but there was there was some the the elements of the world of space in that show were so beautiful and interesting. So that and that and that's what I would love to get into. I mean, Passengers, the movie granted not also not a space comedy it was so elegant it was so different than in some ways than just the average space thing yeah not that they're all the same but um with the kind of surge of marvel movies and and comic book movies in space it's nice to look at space somewhat differently you know yeah 
humorous bent. I should let you go and uh, get on with your day. It's, it's Orville, by the way. That was the show that I couldn't think of earlier. Yeah, That's it. Yes. I, I love that series as well. And the name completely went out of my head. Yeah, I'm too. You're, you're, uh, you're, I'm sure people who were listening were like, oh, come on, Orville, of course. <laughs> Yes. That's interesting too, just by the way that that set um, is, I think, built around the American Horror Story hotel set um, <laughs> because they had built this second story and they were like, well, let's put it into the Orville. So for those of you who are like really interested, pay attention when they're in the flight deck, you'll see that staircase and it's connected to American Horror Story Hotel. Really? Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> I'll keep an eye out for that. Brilliant. Well, um, thank you for coming on and spending a bit of time. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. You'll have to come back on again when you've got your next show out now, The Good Place is All Done. Yeah, don't hesitate. I love talking to you as well. And I'm so glad you're cataloging all this information because it's so good to hear all the stories. I mean, how how things get made are so fascinating uh, in general. I'm glad you're doing it. No, absolutely. Well, have a great day and uh, hopefully we'll talk again soon. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. That was the interview with Adam Rowe. The Good Place you can find on Netflix right now and the latest series is coming back later this week as you will see in the upcoming highlights for next week on tv so highlights for next week we have doc martin returning for a ninth season on itv on the 25th of september at 9 p.m so if you want more doc martin that is back we have uh, season two of mary kills people which is on more four on the 25th of september at uh, 10 past 12 in the morning <laughs> randomly so yes we'd shift on late at night but uh, you can always record it and watch it later krypton is back on e4 for its second and as we now know, final season that is coming on the 25th of September at 10 p.m. Uh, kind of sucked that they cancelled that, but uh, yeah, it does. It's, it's a wild ride. Yeah, it is. It is a wild ride, and it's uh, it's sci-fi. So you know that's why it got canned, unfortunately. <laughs> um, we've got uh, Frayed, which is a new series coming to Sky One on the 26th of September at 10 p.m. Stars Sarah Kendall as uh, Sammy Cooper, a fabulously wealthy London housewife whose life appears perfect, but when her husband's died in a bizarre sexual incident, the true state of her finances are revealed. Uh, so yes, that that sounds like it could be quite fun and funny. So I'm looking forward to seeing that that's a new show sky one called frayed 26th of september at 10 p.m for that new amsterdam is getting a terrestrial airing it's coming to more four on the 26th of september at 9 p.m this has previously aired on amazon prime in the uk and they're the people that premiering it but more four have picked up the second run rights uh, it's only had one season so far second season's coming later this year it is absolutely brilliant we've entered the cast for this as well um, they're lovely and the show is superb it's one of the best medical dramas out there it's really really worth watching it stars Ryan Eggold in the lead role as a uh, medical de- director who's kind of maverick and takes over the uh, Bellevue Hospital it's just brilliant if you like medical dramas go and watch it it's superb New Amsterdam 26th of September at 9pm Transparent the uh, final special that is arriving on Amazon Prime on 27th of 
September if you want to watch the last episode of that. South Park returns for the 23rd season. I think they've just announced that's been renewed for two more seasons as well. That's on the 27th of September at 10pm. That is is back. The Politician, which is the new Ryan Murphy series. It's a dark comedy which follows Peyton, a wealthy Californian student who's known since the age of seven he was going to be president of the United States. He just has to navigate high school first. So it's it's a lot of stuff about high school elections and stuff. Uh, Very, very Ryan Murphy kind of teen dark comedy. The Politician, it's called. It's on Netflix from the 27th of September and that looks well, well worth watching. The Good Place, as you've just heard the interview earlier on talking about it, uh, the fourth and final season, that is on the 27th of September as well. I'm very much looking forward to this. It's one of the best comedies on TV. So that is returning to Netflix on the 27th of September for its final season. We've got World on Fire, which is the miniseries coming to BBC One on the 29th of September. That is World War II told through the intertwining fates of ordinary people drawn from Britain, Poland, France, Germany and the United States. It stars Helen Hunt and Sean Bean. So place your bets on how soon Sean Bean gets killed off. Um, It's uh, 29th of September at 9pm for World on Fire and that is a mini-series. And then Plebs, season 5 of the comedy set in Rome. That is uh, coming to ITV2 on the 30th of September at 10pm. So uh, yes, we're starting to get back into the TV. As you can see, there is a lot of stuff starting this week. So that's all the stuff we've got. Anything else from you? No. If you want to follow me, you can find me writing story after story over at HollywoodNewsSource.com. You can go there to get more of your TV, film, books, sundry other things. Yes. Leave some comments. Always appreciated. <laughs> yes. Go and check out Hollywood News Source. Lots and lots of stuff over there for you. For us, if you want to find more information throughout the week, go to geektown.co.uk and see all the latest air date information. If you want to get in touch with your questions and comments, email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk. Leave a message on the website page. Find us at Geektown on Twitter on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash geektown and on Instagram at geektown. UK. That is everything. We shall see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. <laughs> <laughs> 